Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wholehearted Healer. I'm your host, um, Dr. Avine Banish, and today I'm really excited to have a dear friend, uh, Pamela Woodbrinker, on the show. Pamela um, is just someone when you meet her, her presence really affects you. She is this, um, she is a really wonderful listener. She is also a well-respected and experienced psychotherapist and a licensed clinical social work social worker. She has been doing that work for 32 years and has treated thousands of clients. Um, and really exciting. She has a new book that's coming out later this spring entitled Conscious Bravery, Caring for Someone with Addiction. And so I think this is going to be a really insightful conversation. Pamela, welcome. Thank you so much, Aveen. It's a delight and an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much. And I have not, I'm really excited to get to read your upcoming book. Um, I know of the good work that you're doing in the world here in Colorado Springs and beyond. And, um, and people who have worked with you just speak really highly of you. And so thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful. And I wonder if just to begin, if we can talk a little bit about um, your story and, you know, as the book is the the newest baby that you're birthing into the world. And I know you've been working really hard on it because it's a lot of work to write a book. Um, if you could talk about that book and, and the story that led you to write that book. Sure. I have two young adult sons who have both struggled greatly in the wilderness of addiction and mental health for 10 years or more. And so as a loving parent and mother, that means that I walk alongside them unconditionally with full presence, with my whole being. And 10 years ago, when I was first seeking resources for help for myself, not that I hadn't done therapy, acupuncture, everything, chiropractic, all kinds of things, but I was looking for resources to help myself specifically as someone who was well-trained and skilled in caring for, for my own self and my old, my whole being, but there weren't resources out there for me. So I started using tools and practices and techniques that I taught my clients for years and morphing them, you know, revising them a little bit so that they worked more for myself. And that's, that's my story. I decided I wanted to reach out and teach others what I was learning about bravery and about how to be conscious with bravery, which means we live with heightened awareness, ready to do whatever we're called into doing. And sometimes that means sitting and waiting patiently with consciousness, with presence. And sometimes that means launching into save the day, brave action. And it can mean anything in between on that continuum. So I was, I was using all these tools and practices <laughs> to protect my own happiness and guard my own joy while at the same time walk steadily alongside my sons who had horrific challenges. You know, the, the wilderness of addiction and mental health is, is devastating. Of course, everyone 
here knows that we're in the middle of a crisis, global crisis. People are dying from overdoses. Um, they're, they're taking their own lives through suicide. They're having accidental deaths from fentanyl and all kinds of things. So anyway, my heart just grew bigger and bigger as some of my son's friends died. And I, my, I would just be heartbroken about it, trying to help them and, and doing everything I could. They became homeless themselves, chosen homelessness. They chose homelessness over against treatment several times, not, not because I wanted that. And, and people that I've worked with and have cared about and helped as clients and friends have had loved ones and people they've cared about who've struggled with these same kinds of things when our beloveds don't choose treatment, when they choose homelessness, when they're couch surfing, when they disappear, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, I knew that we were all born with the seeds of bravery, but we consciously growing them is required for skill building in conscious bravery training. And so when we care about someone who struggles in the wilderness of addiction and mental health challenges, we lose hope at times too, but we are called into faith and into connection with something greater than ourselves and to our deepest selves. And so we can only make a difference in their lives by starting with ourselves. So that's what my book, Conscious Bravery, morphed into uh, a series of, of short chapters with my own personal vulnerable story about my experience, not my son's, I don't want to tell their story, but my experience walking alongside them and um, how I was called into action in varying ways. And, and that's really my offering to my readers. Well, that is, that is brave, right? And I'm sure that, you know, you mentioned that it's been a 10 year journey. So mm -hmm. there have probably been many seasons of this for you and different different levels of acceptance and, and times when I'm sure you felt just overwhelmed, but I think, um, I really feel that your book, first of all, is so needed and, um, and that you are the perfect, it's just interesting to me, your background, all the good work you're doing in the world. And then this situation, the circum life circumstance that you were handed, um, right? It can only bear fruit and help others. Um, because like you said, so many people are suffering right now and it, our society are the system, um, to support those with mental health, um, issues or addiction issues is not ideal in our country. Absolutely not. Yes. And there are support groups and things like that available to us, but my book and my message as a speaker and an author revolve around consciously doing what we can every day, all of the time, not just when we're at a group or in connection with others, not just when we're connecting with the divine or grace or source, God, whatever you want to call that, that source, but we have to commit to our bravery daily and put it into action constantly. It's not something that just arrives magically with the wave of a wand, <laughs> even though we all have good intentions for that. It takes cultivation. And so that's why I like to talk about it in terms of that we all have these seeds of bravery that we're born with, but it really takes tending to them and growing them, growing our bravery muscles, you know? <laughs> so I love that. How do we begin to even know what 
those seeds of bravery are, because even if um, you're not someone who's dealing with, you know, you're not a family member of someone with an addiction, this, this message can be applied to many different areas of our lives. Yes. There aren't many humans who don't struggle in some capacity during their lifetime. And so can you speak to just how do we begin that process? Yes. Beautiful question. And you're right. Everyone has the seeds of bravery, just like we all have the seeds of happiness, but happiness needs to be cultivated too. We don't just arrive into our lives with happiness. We're required to, to use skill building and so forth. So yes, we become more consciously brave all of us, no matter if we have someone struggling in the wilderness of mental health and addiction, all of us can become more brave when we do a number of things that I consider foundational. So the, the anchors or the pillars of bravery are several, but in some, the most important ones are we befriend all of our feelings, all of our feelings, all of our feelings are one with who we are despair, happiness, joy, devastation, emptiness, all of those are parts of what we experience. And if we can embrace those without judgment, without shame, we can then help those we care about to do it as well. So we can be the beacons of light we want to be. Another anchor or pillar of bravery is that we do conscious breathing. (laughs) So we all like to talk about taking three deep breaths, right? But I encourage everyone to take conscious breaths. So if we're going to take three, let's let them be conscious. Let's tune into our bodies, our hearts, our minds, our intuition, and our, our souls or what I call our essences and the energy around us. So from these six realms, we can do what I call a whole being scan and we can live with whole being living. We can move actively through our days with whole being living if we can tune into all all of what's happening in our experience. Another anchor of conscious bravery is to view fear as one of our many advisors rather than being afraid of fear, rather than being overwhelmed by fear. So even though we all kick into a place of overwhelm and, uh, you know, our reptilian brain gets activated or the brainstem gets activated, it's important to take time and be in our bodies, maybe give ourselves a hug, stand up, shake a little bit, do whatever it takes, breathe consciously to ground ourselves and center so that we do see fear as an advisor who's just coming along with us to say, hey, watch out, pay attention. And another, oh, did you have a question? Yeah. Can I just ask you about those are wonderful steps. The first step, um, I just wonder if you can give us an example, because I feel like it sounds really you know, when we're in a state of um, regulation, when we're like you and I right now are calm and, (laughs) and, and we're, we're connecting and, but, you know, some of those um, emotions that you brought up really can hijack us, right? If there's a situation rising, especially as a mother for one of your kids, how do we embrace those huge emotions from a state of neutrality? How do we get there? Yes, great question. Well, another chapter in the book is called Become Comfortable with Discomfort. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that we 
want to practice in our meditation, in our yoga practice daily, practice becoming comfortable with discomfort. Everywhere we go, when, we're ta- when we talk to someone in the grocery store or when, he, when we hear a dear friend's voice on the phone and they're, they're talking about what's happening with them and we feel disrupted, we want to start becoming friends with that disruption and just see it as part of us. Agitation, even huge experiences, huge emotional experiences that hit us like just that overwhelm. We want to start viewing that as normal and start normalizing all of our emotions rather than saying some are negative. I don't even like the word negative and some are positive. I call them pleasurable emotions or challenging. And so we we start to become friends with all of ourselves when we can become friends with all of our emotions. So it takes practice, but when we commit to it, then we begin, we begin the path. (laughs) So it just starts by wanting. So you were asking that in the beginning too, how do we become more brave? We begin by wanting it and seeing that all of us want to become braver. (laughs) Yeah. And that, that it takes a lot of energy to, um, to not feel our emotions. Like we think it's the easier way, but it comes out in lots of different, like in physical pain in emotional pain not sleeping, you know, so it's not like we're better off by not feeling the the tough stuff. That, that is so astute, truly. If everyone knew that they would, so that's what we want to do is we want to notice if we're starting to detach from our emotions to avoid, or if we're starting to make our emotions bigger than they deserve and run on fear, we can say, oh, this is the part of my story where I do that. There I am doing that and kind of notice ourselves with a third eye and say, oh, gosh, I'm really feeling a lot of pain and overwhelm right now. Breathe consciously, ground. And another thing I teach, and this will come in the second book, but the 5D, 3D Tadasana. So we reach up to something greater than ourselves, reach down to the earth, to the center of the earth, and try to be in both places at the same time. So we watch ourselves from some higher place. Maybe it's a tree. (laughs) And we say, Oh, look at how you're struggling. And then the the other part of us that has our feet grounded can say, Oh, here I am right now. It's okay. And then we move our hands through our whole being, through our hearts and through our intuition and minds and everything and switch sides. And sometimes just that somatic or body sensing movement can help us to start becoming more comfortable with the pain or excruciating shock we're experiencing then we can move into a greater level of containment and hold space for all of our right. experience. And Pamela, I think the wisdom of what you're offering is exactly kind of what you were speaking about. Like you have this situation that doesn't have, um, it has had a beginning, but it doesn't like, you don't know the end date or even how, how it will end, which I'm sure at times has been frustrating and challenging. And so it seems like what your book and and what your message is offering is this moment to moment, like, how can I be okay with not knowing with um, the liminal space as I talk about, um, Mm -hmm. how can I be okay, despite what else is going on? Yes, great questions. So how can we be okay? We want to befriend the unknown, make friends with change. And that's a commitment and a practice. And part of how we do that, because we can't just say we want to do that. I don't believe affirmations after years and years of working with people, 
affirmations don't really do the trick. (laughs) It takes embodying our beliefs. And that means we have to know who we truly are. So there's a chapter in my book called You Are Your Essence. You are your essence. Essence meaning soul, self. Because if we, if we think that who we are has to do with our circumstances or our situation or our role as a mother or our job as a doctor or a psychotherapist, we're missing the, the greatest part of who we are. We are this unchanging, powerfully embodied being. We are our essences. And you are your essence. And so when when we know that, we know I'm not my situation. I'm not the circumstances that not the circumstance that seems overwhelming. Yeah. And I'm curious um, how you stepping, and I love that you chose bravery, right? Because it it takes bravery what you're doing. And how I'm just curious if you practicing this embodiment and using these tools. Um, how you you've noticed a shift in yourself and a shift with those around you, like maybe even your sons. That great. I notice shifts in myself when I find I have capacity. Years ago, when so before my my sons became um, started using drugs to the extent that they did and really struggled with addiction. I was married and my husband died from a grade four glioblastoma brain cancer. And that's kind of what launched my sons into severe drug use. And, and I remember saying to myself, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Then after, after about three days after he had died and I said, I can't do this. I realized I have to do this. I have two teenage sons that need me. I have to do this for them. And I have to do this for myself. And so I noticed a shift then when I realized I can, I want to, I've done this before. I've been a triathlete. I've been a psychotherapist walking alongside people for years. I walked my dad through Alzheimer's and into his passing. I can do really tough stuff. I can do this. And I just started taking it moment by moment. And somebody gave me a little, a cutout from a magazine that said the new normal. And that became really powerfully, you know, tossed around during the pandemic, right? But back then in 2011, I realized I had to create a new normal. And so I started living with this concept of now there's this. Oh, wow. Huh. Curious. Now there's this. And just started seeing everything is more normal. And I realized pain and suffering is all around me. This isn't just me and my experience. (laughs) It's not just what my clients go through. I really became much more globally aware. And, and that I think helped my sons because we started talking about not just our experience in the family, because we, we, we carried on, even though they were hugely struggling, we carried on, but we became more aware of the the pain and suffering of others. And we're able to see it in ourselves, all three of us a little bit better. You know, we just tuned up our awareness. And that's why I love the word conscious, conscious bravery, because we had to become more conscious in our lives. Bravery wasn't just sitting around waiting for things to happen that we wanted to occur. You know, we had to create things consciously. Yeah, it's a, 
it's a cultivated conscious response to a really challenging circumstance. Yes. Yeah. And you know, watching them, I, you were asking, how did I model for them? I think they saw me become more tender. They saw me become more vulnerably strong because with grace and tenderness, we're able to activate it, its flip side, which is another thing I teach flip sides of the same coin, tenderness and strength. They're kind of one and the same. And so my son started role modeling for me in their vulnerability, how to be more compassionate, which is a form of bravery. You know, we, bravery isn't just tough as nails. I like to say bravery can can look like softness. It can sound like stillness. And Pamela, I just feel as if in sharing your, I mean, I think when we share our struggles and our stories, um, first of all, that can be scary and vulnerable. And, um, and yet it's, it's usually what helps other people in their own struggles. Like, you know, we don't, it's as if we need to be that for one another on this path of life. And so can you talk about, was it ever challenging for you as a psychotherapist, you know, in this role um, to talk about or share these struggles? Oh, absolutely. It is hard always for me to talk about struggles, but I have an office in the cottage in the back of my home, and I have for about 10 years now. And some of the times when my sons were living with me, tough things would happen. So there was one time when my youngest son was living with me, and he was, I didn't know at the time, but he was smoking meth. And he was upstairs in his room. And I thought, okay, I've got clients for four hours. I'll see you later. Went out to my cottage to see my clients. And um, he's, he's fine with it. And we kind of knew our boundaries. But at any rate, I hear this. I'm in session with one of my clients who's a, a, a beautiful artist and a creative and who has had children in the wilderness of mental health and and those kinds of struggles as well. Anyway, I hear my son screaming at the top of his lungs. And I say, excuse me, of course, run in the house upstairs and his phone is on fire. It's literally on fire and he's throwing it out the window. So that happened. So then I had to dash out the front door, go down, stomp out his phone. And, oh, it was just, just a really horrific situation. And I don't need to describe how it, it became, came to that place where it was on fire. But then I had, I called my husband. Thankfully he came home because I didn't want, my sons have had enough legal involvement. I didn't need to call anyone that would get them in trouble. This was a situation that we could handle. And thankfully conscious bravery helped me assess that. This mm -hmm. is a phone on fire. My son is activated, called my husband, went out and talked to my client and said, uh, excuse me, there's a crisis. And she understood completely, went back upstairs and we just breathed together. My son and I, we just breathed kind of arm on arm on each other. One, you know, I'm, my arms are like this on him, reaching out to his forearms. And I just said, let's just breathe conscious breathing. I said, I know you're upset. It's going to be all right. David's coming home in a minute. We'll work this out. And he calmed down and he wanted to tell me the story. And I just boundaried. I said, I've got clients, honey. 
I, mean, I it's not like I wouldn't quit seeing people. I had done that often enough so much so that I needed to guard my professional life. And David was five minutes away. He came home. We almost walked past each other and I went back in with my client. And then I said, I had a really horrific thing just happen. And she said, I want you to tell me. And so I just told her and then we breathed together. And so a lot of my clients, not a not all, but, but some of my clients have wanted to know what has happened because then they say, you're real. You're not just telling me, Oh, why are you feeling that? What's, what's that about for you? Like some old fashioned therapist might do, (laughs) you know, I didn't talk about myself in four minutes, but I just got myself together. We grounded, we breathed. And, you know, that actually helped her to tell more about her story, what was going on for her that day. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, I think you being honest and, and real absolutely opens the door for anyone else to do that. So that's not a story I've told in the book, but I write honestly and vulnerably in, in my book, Conscious Bravery, about some of the things that happen so that readers and those who attend my workshops and live sessions can know I've been in the trenches too. I'm not just talking about this as if I've helped hundreds, thousands of people. I'm talking about this with the heart and soul of a parent and loved one who has been there with you. Mm. Pamela, what's your dream? I mean, with this book and um, you're about to launch um, a lot of things, I sense, what is your, what is your dream in, in, in serving the world in this way? Oh, that's a lovely question. I want to see more people hundreds, thousands of people in the world become more consciously brave to feel like when they are hopeless, they can contain that. They can go to emptiness, emptiness, meaning allowing it create space for that empty of their hopes and dreams and say, okay, now there's this, this is a new moment. Maybe I'm dying to, to this former me who wanted a son who could go to college Maybe my son won't be able to go to college right now. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to live in this present moment with vibrancy and with aliveness that is rich and real and raw. And I'm going to, I want to help people, um, you know, through my next book will be a book that goes into more of the tools and practices with actual techniques that they can try that take just a couple of minutes so that they can do what I'm talking about. They can embrace all of their experience and find hope, not just if they're, uh, if they're employees or staff members, someone they care about, their parent is struggling with addiction or mental health, but if they're really in the trenches with something that's overwhelmingly challenging, I want people to have skills that will help them get through it and not just do affirmations <laughs> of their intentions, but to start practicing and embodying things that actually help them mm-hmm. practices that work. I think that is such a valuable tool to offer, um, you know, those that may be in the trenches, like you said, but I think, I think all of us, regardless of whatever circumstance or challenge is being presented to us, can benefit from that. I mean, I think there's this real tendency to numb out and and shut down and and we do that in all the ways. It's, it's getting 
easier and easier, it seems like with screens and phones and all the ways that we can numb or kind of move towards a state of being asleep to our experience versus this call to be conscious, be consciously brave. It's a great way to put it. The cover hasn't been decided yet, but one of the stories I tell in my book is that we all want to, to be like a resilient poppy, a poppy flower that can grow in the most inhospitable inhospitable places in the wilderness. It can grow in cracks. You know, you've probably seen photos of poppy flowers that their, their roots reach down and they'll grow in between things and they might even be alone. Oftentimes they are in a field of other poppies or with other poppies, but, and I chose the poppy for my story because of the unconscious dualistic image that it might conjure for some people, because of course, opiates are made from the poppy. And so we, as those who become more consciously brave and are walking alongside someone who's struggling, want to be like a resilient poppy, flowering and vibrant, but able to handle the toughest stuff. And that's what our beloveds have to do as well. Mm -hmm. So we, we all want to cultivate answers to what brings me meaning. You know, if we don't know what our beliefs and our meaning are how will we find hope and how will we have faith in in the process of what we're faced with and oh go ahead no you you go ahead well another thing that occurs to me as i'm talking about this that's such an important message is that no one wants to have mental health major mental health issues no one wants to become addicted and no one chooses it. And so our loved ones need all the conscious bravery that we can give them to help them get whatever they need, if it's treatment or just finding their way into greater physical and mental health. And so we're basically rewiring ourselves. You know, a lot of what is amiss for us, as you were asking me about earlier, is, is we are dysregulated and we don't know how to come back into regulation. And so it takes a lot of this whole being awareness and tending to our whole being to be able to, to help our loved ones with even one aspect of how they can start finding some, some ability to be present with their experience. And, and that if, if you can be regulated, despite all that's going on, they have a better chance of being regulated just by being in your presence. You've got it. Yep. The, in, the, in the educational system right now, yes, a lot of people are talking about attunement. If I mirror for you, if I'm an educator and you're my student and I mirror for you how to regulate, boom, it's easier. Sometimes all I have to do is sit down next to you or you sit down next to me and all of a sudden we're more co-regulated or calmer, calmer together, <laughs> braver together. <laughs> oh, Pamela, so much, um, so much wisdom and heart in our conversation. I'm wondering if there, if there's something I haven't asked that you would like to talk about. Uh, hmm. I guess the last thing would be that there is hope that so many parents write on my, my social media pages about how they live with anxiety, constant anxiety. They live with depression and they want a way out. And the way out is, as we've all said, 
in and through and being able to hold it all while at the same time returning to happiness, protecting our happiness. Happiness is not just a feeling. It's a commitment and an action, just as bravery, conscious bravery is a commitment and it involves our action. And so, yeah, I would just offer hope that we can become more comfortable with discomfort. We can move through crises with grace and adaptability and become more resilient. So there's that hope. I'm sure that there's someone listening who that is really going to resonate with. And if someone is listening who is, is in this situation, right. Is, is um, a, a loved one is in that wilderness of addiction, as you call it. Um, I know you have a website and I will link that in the show notes. Um, Thank you. And, you know, they can go there for resources. I know that you have a Facebook page. I'll link that and a LinkedIn. Um, Cause it seems like, again, just the first step obviously is finding community. I would imagine. And, and wanting to get help to tell your, you know, to tell your story, all those things. Um, so if someone is listening, you know, they can find you that way and I'll make sure be brave.us is your, um, is your website. Thank you so much. Yes. And anyone listening, please feel free to go to www.bebrave.us. You can go to my Facebook page. It's a professional Facebook page, which is also a landing page for support. So that's Facebook, Pamela Brinker, author. And on my website this week, I'll be putting up a list of resources. It's in the book, but NAMI, of course, is a wonderful resource. NAMI can link folks with other wonderful resources that I've found that I'll, I'll post also on my Be Brave website. And there are just so many that I really can't list them. Mm-hmm. But people, can, people will find it on your site, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Pamela, this was lovely. I'm so grateful that um, we live in the same town and we get to share wonderful friendship time together. And I'm really honored to know you and I'm grateful for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. What a beautiful thing to say. It's just a joy to connect with you here. And I'm glad we live in the same town too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you.